Hello again, this is Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. In early November, I ran across an article in the Boston Globe about a collaboration between the Boston hip-hop group Still Gold and the Boston Symphony Orchestra. The headline alone caught my interest. The BSO is collaborating with a hip-hop artist. I was so interested. I watched a music video that they put together, and it blew my mind. The song itself, With Me, from Still Gold's 2019 album, The New Normal, is an amazing piece made even more incredible by adding talent from some BSO musicians. This project, called Us, A Celebration of Community, was a great idea imagined by hip-hop artist and former guest on ATB, Mr. Mo Pope, who felt that a collaboration with the Boston Symphony Orchestra would be a great way for the BSO to reach out to the hip-hop community. The BSO was all in, and they decided to bring together these two entities, as well as other artists, and I quote, to explore synergy between artists of different genres in pursuit of a new and inclusive artistic vocabulary. In light of the COVID shutdown, they had to rethink the project. Instead of the live performances they envisioned, they introduced a series of Zoom conversations hosted by Still Gold member Timothy Hall that would bring together musicians from Still Gold and the BSO to talk music, influences, and other topics. These are available for free at stillgold.bso.org. That's S-T-L-G-L-D I was able to pull in sax player and Berklee College of Music professor Timothy Hall, as well as French horn player and the first female member of the BSO brass section in its history, as well as New England Conservatory faculty member Rachel Childers, to talk about the project and what they hope will continue to be a great Boston collaboration. So here is my conversation with Timothy Hall and Rachel Childers, recorded virtually in Boston, Massachusetts. Well, thank you both for joining. I'm psyched to be able to do this. You know, when I saw the article, I can't remember if I saw the article in the Globe first or if I saw something that Mo and Tim, you had, you guys had posted on the Still Gold Facebook page or something. I love the idea. And I actually went in and I watched the uh, the With Me yes, um, recording and then, uh, and then listened to some of the conversations you guys have had. And I'm like, you know, I, I got to do this. So uh, we actually almost were able to get, uh, I was talking to Matthew at the BSO. Um, he talked about getting Thomas Wilkins on, who looks amazing, like an amazing guy. But apparently, apparently he's in high demand. Um, <laughs> so he's a little harder to get in touch with. So are you both local right now? Mm-hmm. All right, good. So we're nice and safe here in our little COVID domes, I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys hanging in there? How's everything going? Well, my life looks like a little bit kind of normal right now. I just got home from doing um, a Pops recording. They have uh, the decorations up and so they're recording concerts. I think just broadcasting next month. So like early November is when we're doing Pops. Just had a whole bunch of Pops music, uh, which was so great. Holiday Pops, man. Like 45 shows and you see the kids and they're all like excited. It's like makes everybody happy most amazing thing yeah we need that Tim, how about you how you been yeah i mean it's it's definitely been a up and down road with just emotional <laughs> emotional roller coaster of of events and, and having to respond and react to everything that um is happening in our country um, and abroad for me a lot of my work right now is is as a faculty member um and teaching and, and working with my students and um you know many of them are also feeling 
the the Zoom fatigue and and balancing life at home and trying to you know stay on top of classes and homework and and everything. And many many students, you know, they're not just at home taking classes. They might be you know helping out with their family, have a couple of jobs and so forth. So it's just a very different space. Um, for them. And then I'm also navigating and balancing that while also trying to keep up with my own grading and <laughs> and so forth. And for music, it's, it's a tough place because there's these cool opportunities to engage in the virtual space. And it's still, you know, us not being in front of a group of people or being not being on the stage. It's just there's there's still a, a slight like miss there. So I, I find it I find that I'm really appreciating you know, some of the space and some of the time to, to, to relax a little bit um, while also really, really, really missing, <laughs> missing being in front of people and the, the different things that we, we had on the table before COVID, um, just looking forward to getting back to some of those things too. You know, I think in many ways, we're all very fortunate to be able to see and understand how lucky we were to have music I keep on saying this in almost every episode now. I think once this is all over, once the COVID at least is all over, I think there's going to be a renaissance in Boston. There's going to be people who are dying to go out and see music. If it's, if I've heard anything, it's people saying, God, I miss music. I miss going to live concerts. They got to go out and see some live music. They're dying for some some connection in that way. So other than the, the article and listening to that amazing version of With Me, I love the whole idea of hip hop and still gold getting together with the BSO. Now I read a little bit about it, but maybe Tim, you can talk about the beginnings of this. I know Mo is the one who kind of poked the bear to get the BSO engaged with the hip hop community. Yeah, yeah. Mo Mo thought of thought of this and 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 pitched this to the BSO. Just he's always thinking of creative ideas. He's him wanting to find an, another way for us to do the thing that we love, which is art and, and to make art and to create, but do it in a way that um, has a message that means something that's also bigger than the art. I um, mean, I think the opportunity to engage and create a conversation with the BSO around why this collaboration would be important, particularly for individuals who historically don't see themselves as being welcomed into spaces like orchestra halls and symphony halls and opera halls and so forth like that. That space is, is something that little black boys and black girls like myself it wasn't a norm for me to think about that until I actually engaged with art, until art was introduced into my life. That's when spaces like that were at least visible. But then the oper- the next opportunity to then see myself as a performer, as an artist, as somebody that belongs, um, I think that this collaboration is, is, is stirring that conversation and creating that opportunity um, it, at the local scene. And I think that's the other important aspect that this collaboration is happening with local artists. It's not a big name hip hop artist or hip hop act that, you know, has national acclaim and commercial success. Hmm. Um, And not that that's not where we're trying to get to. But I think the conversation starting at a local level makes it, I think, that much more important and that much more special. Rachel, when was the first time you heard about these sessions and and uh, how you approached by it. Part of my role in orchestras, I'm on the education committee. So uh-huh. I, I have my hands in a lot of like the stuff that we do with school kids and, and tiny kids, big kids, adults. 
Um, and so I remember being asked to come to a meeting um, because we had done this Jamaica Plain project where the orchestra put a lot of interest in Jamaica Plain, a lot of concerts there. You know, we did some Franklin Park and heard about Mo, who was going to come in and talk to us about a potential collaboration. He and Janos came in and they were like, how do we do this? We are interested in this conversation, in this like intermingling of people who are interested in the same thing. They're interested in like live music and connecting with people and educating young people. Like how can we bring these together? And BSO is like, yeah, how does this work? What are we going to do? And so we've, it's been a long process, which is, I think, tricky. The BSO is like this big kind of behemoth and we do things slowly. Yeah. You know, we like think about things for a long time and we kind of chew them over. And so we were, was it Tim? It was like this winter um, when you all came to, there was like a rehearsal we were going to do with the instrumentation that was going to be available to all of these, all of the curated groups that right. we all had together for this concert. And right. all, all the artists were there and they were hearing us rehearse and we were having conversations and it was like yeah. the starting point for what was going to exactly. be. Fun. It was bright. It was pre-COVID. It was like <laughs> we were we were we were like, yo, I can't wait to start talking about this. And yeah, yeah, it, it was. Really fun. It was like heartbreaking that that was like we had reached like the really cool stage, right? And then it just didn't happen. And the concert we were supposed to do got canceled. And so artistically, we don't know what the product would have been. Like everyone hopes that it would have been really cool. And like the video, uh, the with me was just amazing i watched it like on loop and you know that's what could have been i don't know i'm excited for like whenever things go back to normal that we can like still like move forward on that track but like you know we were we were all really excited and i think mo speaks so eloquently about he doesn't seem like he's it like this collaboration wasn't about him and it wasn't really about the band like trying to like connect those two big things. It was about what would happen in the audience and what would the repercussions be for people who like saw a concert like this. That's what he was like so interested in. And I think that speaks yeah. to everybody. Everybody wanted that, mm -hmm. you know, that what yeah. could have been is really exciting. The interesting thing about also rolling with what COVID has brought us is that it's made, I mean, the conversations that are that are part of the sessions project. I don't know what if that would have happened if we were just able to go straight into the show. Like I don't I don't know what other things would have come out of the show besides that. And I think having these conversations has amplified, I think the the connection has amplified the collaboration into something that's become deeper, that's become even more intentional. I think we're excited also that this was a result that we were able to to have with the times that we're in. The next year's next year, if if we're able to do this the show, like uh, it, it's gonna be, I think, ten times I think bigger and, and powerful than than what we were anticipating it to be. Yeah, I agree. I think once you guys are able to do this live, I think it's going to be huge. And you know, and it's and it's interesting. I think I think because we were all you know separated because of COVID, it does require us to stop and think. And 
have more conversations about these things that maybe aren't spoken out loud about collaboration. And, you know, if there's one thing I've noticed is that the hip hop community is all about collaboration and, and, and everybody in the hip hop community or everybody's working with each other and on each other's albums and helping produce and doing their videos and things like that. And the fact that the BSO, the Symphony Hall, is right near Northeastern and Roxbury and all those places. Berkeley's right down the street from the BSL. I mean, the fact that this hasn't happened sooner, it's such an opportunity to pull two different genres that you wouldn't think have a connection, but to pull them together. I mean, I went and I listened to with me the original version just to be, I'm like, oh, well, I wonder what the original version is like. And I had heard the original version ages ago when I listened to, uh, when I when I talked to Mo on the on his episode. You know, it's, you're basically using electronic, you know, sampling and and, um, and keyboards to mimic what, Rachel, what you and, and your musicians did. And I, I love having full orchestra or, you know, even portions of orchestra join a musician that wouldn't normally have an orchestra with them. So having the, having those two, the two genres collide is is great. Now, Tim, I know that you've mentioned this, and I think also uh, Thomas Wilkins um, mentioned this as well. It's it's all about removing labels too. You know, labels tend to make things easy for people to kind of people like things in their little pockets. You know, for music, and it just kind of helps them organize things in their head. But what makes it all exciting is removing all those labels and saying it's just all music. That's what it is. There's no question there. I'm just kind of pontificating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that this art form, this is oh, the arts in general and, and music um, as a as a part of that is a universal community in this really cool way that we might not be able to to speak the same languages, but we can we we can through music, through our instruments, through our voice, through our our writing, through our composition, through, you know, the, the creative process, those things, their similarities across communities, across, you know, genres, across identities that, that we can can connect into and, and find um, a common ground to explore. Like it, it, it's just exploration. Like that's all that's what we're doing. We're exploring this this new relationship with these new musicians in this, 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 these unique art forms that, you know, have connections. Like it, there, there's, it's there for sure. Rachel, will you, do you have any connection either through listening yourself or through other musicians that you know to the hip hop community? Or did you, did you before not, this happened? Not much. I mean, I think, I think I talked to Tim about this this summer. Like, I think, you know, hip hop, like whatever you would come across, like broadly, I never went deep dive down down that hip hop lane. I'm very cool. I think you can tell that. Um, and so I have a variety of musical tastes, but that wasn't one of them. And I remember actually running into to Mo like CBS <laughs> and early on, like Mo, like just tell me like, what early hip hop, like give me a playlist, give me what to listen to. And he like sent me like all the albums that influenced him like when he was younger. And it was some amazing like it's you know top 20 albums you know just to like get an idea of like what how does somebody's taste develop it was really cool so i i didn't have that but there you know there are a lot of orchestra musicians who actually are very into hip-hop it's not um an either or proposition and i think that that's kind of the moment in our culture now it's like much more acceptable to be like omnivorous and have a lot of different kinds of taste in terms of 
the music that you like and like there doesn't have to be a, a silo between classical music and like everything else which it seems like there has been for a while which is surprising because you know hip-hop is the biggest genre of music in the world right now i mean it's it's there's no doubting it the great thing about it is is the surprise and the discovery of great hip-hop when i mentioned how the bsl how symphony hall and berkeley are right next to each other wally's is right down the street from the from right. uh from that as well you know you know it's one of those hidden gems that uh you know if you're a musician you know where it is but not necessarily um if you're not into the music scene in Boston, you may not know where Wally's is or what it is, but you know, that's a fantastic venue as well. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people I know go there and they just go there to hear new music and, and that's amazing. But, um, but I digress. So let's talk about with me, how did you guys, how did that song become the song? Well, well, one, we, we already, we work with a musician and a, and a deep friend of ours, Chris Claxton, who is very much a part of our creative process. He's a trumpet player, composer, piano player, amazing. So we use classical art and classical music, the the the, the instrumentation um, and the influence already in our work. Um, so I think the the opportunities to collab was like, oh wow, this is like the next level of what we've like what we already do, and, and that felt really exciting. The, the the conversation about hip hop, even kind of speaking to what you were naming, Chuck, how like some people have to kind of it be convinced that it's an it's an okay art form or like that that you're actually gonna like it um if you give them the right playlist or you give you you play the the, the songs that might give them a, a a doorway into it and it's because it's hip-hop is not it isn't much different than jazz than blues than than and then any of these art forms that are considered maybe a little more acceptable within our society um, so I think the song speaks to like, yo, hip hop, you know, you can't love hip hop without loving the person, without loving the people, without loving the voice that it's coming from. So are you with me or not? Like we are in a time right now where black people are visibly, more visibly being killed and murdered in, in, a, in, a, in a time where technology, access to um, social media, cell phone footage and so forth is amplifying things that have been happening for generations. Like this is the stuff that's happening isn't new. So I think um, this was a perfect opportunity to leverage the power and the position of the BSL of the classical art form in itself to embed this message and, and amplify the message like, yo, you have to be with all of me. Like all of this, it, it comes with with like loving, loving and, ex and accepting and protecting and remembering that we are human and we are people. And um, this music, this what we talk about is very real. The things that we reflect within the lyrics in terms of what's happening in our neighborhoods, what's happening to people that look like us, these things are very real. I mean, you can't love this art form without loving us. Like it, you, you gotta, we gotta call you out on it, and we we need you to 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 recognize that. So I think it was the perfect song for us to also leverage this opportunity um, and the platform that that BSO has and and the, the symphony orchestra brings um, to to use that to to amplify that message for sure. Was was the social implication there? The social justice implication there part of the conversation? Yes, very much like huge shout out to Leslie. Leslie 
um, and Beth were our, our partners in, in the development and the design of this collaboration. Um, Leslie has been um, with, the, with the BSO um, for quite some time and has been working to, to, to create these conversations and this dialogue um, you know, before we started to work with with her in, in, in this collaboration. So um, it, it was very much a, a, at a center in the in the conversation. And it's been welcomed. Like, I, I think that um, it's been a growing process with much like any 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 kind of collaboration. You you know, you take time to get to know one another and, and kind of really get a feel for for who you know one another's are. And then like, what are we bringing together, bringing to the table together? And I felt like um, Leslie has been very much in our corner and kind of at the the helm of continuing to to find opportunities to create that those conversations within the BSO organization at large. And I'm sorry, Leslie, who? I'm um, fully cool. Rachel, when you were when when the song was brought to you, what was the sequence of events? Like, was it a how do we fit into the song, or was it what can we bring to the song? Or like how, what so was I the should, approach? I should clarify that I'm a little green with envy. I didn't actually get to play that particular song. Yeah. I did have a hand in putting together um, one of our amazing bass players, who's also a composer and orchestrator, um, Larry Wolf. He worked with Chris okay. to help make sure that the arrangements um, kind of spoke our language in a way that people could actually like play through and you know have no problem collaborating because that's you know the other thing that is tricky is that we for the most part you know we like everything written out very clarified like exactly what you want if you put it on the page we'll play it no problem mm -hmm. but if yeah. it's not on the page sometimes it makes people a little nervous so so i helped um kind of put those two together but i am going to put that out in the universe like i would love some horn parts written i think i think i do a good job tim Right, right, right. Well, Rachel, you are, which astounded me, you were the first female member of the Boston Symphony Brass Section. Yep. That is, I can't believe that you're the first, but congratulations. I'm glad that happened. And you obviously won't be the last, and I think that's fantastic. Classical music has its rock side, social justice side as well. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it was the only music, you know, it was the music uh, that was recorded and, um, you know, before blues and all that kind of stuff, obviously it's been around for a long, long, long time, but you know, that does have its edgy side, just using, well, it does. you know, it's one of those things that like, once it becomes part of the canon and like something you hear all the time and it's like, seems normal, it loses that revolutionary edge. Right. And then that's just something you read in the cliff notes or the program notes. Right. You know, like Stravinsky's Red Spring was very famously like, caused riots in the street just for what it was like the content and the execution of that material made people like bananas and people talk about you know Shostakovich like would like hide messages in his music that was supposed to go against the propaganda he was supposed to be writing he was tasked with writing and now if you if you didn't know if you didn't know the history it would just seem totally you know not innocent like you could hear the emotion in it but you wouldn't necessarily know i feel that like classical music isn't cutting edge is both true and also just an unfortunate thing that our art form is um a little bit older and we're constantly tasked with like recreating that same piece 
over and over and over again because people like to hear it. And it's, you know, it's a wonderful thing. It's a, a reflection of like a great history, but it also kind of leaves us with less room to grow in certain ways. Um, so I think that that's part of the thing that I think that was so appealing about working with these artists is that it's like of the moment and they are able to like reflect on what's happening in the world in a way that's accessible to a lot of people and it's really interesting and fresh and you know what what you want to be doing as an artist there's there's not a lot of ways that I have that kind of voice in my regular like pre-covid day-to-day life as an artist you know I was I was looking forward to that well you know it's interesting you're both horn players right so that's cool. I don't think I've had, I've had, have I had a horn player on yet? We've had, we had Una Yoratite, you know, Una, Rachel. Oh, yeah. yeah, we've had her on. Yeah, you know, and I love that part in the song where it gets really jazzy and you get the, you get the uh, trumpet player going off on that. Oh, it's so freaking yeah. beautiful. That's Chris, that's, and that's Chris Claxton. The trumpet player who's doing the solo is also the composer of the, um, oh, one other question about the actual song. Um, when you, so everyone recorded it in their own home, they all recorded their own piece, and then it was brought together. The actual performance that you see in the video is the performance on the on the piece, right? Yep. Oh, so that's fantastic. And you all played it at the same time, or is it all kind of done separately? So everyone, so uh, with, with Still Gold, we play a lot of our live performances. Um, you know, we heavily use tracks in, right. in, as a part of our, our just general setup. Um, so ARC just created a, a general track that would align with the, the written music that Chris had written. So Chris, you know, composed all the music, sent it out to folks to play along to the track. And then we just made sure that people could, you know, record audio, record and, and then video, record themselves, and then Arc put together the video and, and aligned everything. That's great. I didn't know you guys did that for your live shows. Yeah, you- a lot of so heavily, because uh, it's it's a five piece, Mo, Chris, um, and on on the mic, and then myself, Arc, um, and then and then John on drums. So it, it, a lot of our music is it's like back in track with the, the the live instrumentation as well you guys are are built for this kind of <laughs> and i think that was the other the other fun part that working with the the orchestra musicians on was was being able to also invite them into you know what our live performance setup feels like um in a, in a unique way and in and how that also mirrors very much uh, a norm within live music on our hip hop R&B side of things where that's it's, it's a heavily used setup to, to use tracks and incorporate um, technology and, and so forth within the live setup. Uh, Rachel, you, so are you using this as an opportunity to get this to, to kids or teenagers? Like is the BSL pushing this out to schools well, or? I haven't heard um, what they're doing with that. I know that they're working on what what we can give to Boston Public Schools now. I know that they were they got it all out onto their you know various social media channels and kind of putting it out that way. But I haven't heard if it's going to go out to schools. I mean, I just think it's such an I think it would be a great opportunity for kids who are into hip hop to to see what classical music can can do. And vice versa for, for anybody who's not into hip hop. So yeah, 
They had talked about, you know, when we were doing, going to do the big live collaboration of, like, getting kids who were interested in that to, like, actually, like, observe and see what's going on and, like, mm. be able to talk to people. And I think that wasn't people were going to go into schools to talk about, like, the process and, like, how it worked. But, again, that was all kind of based on live interaction. Yeah. Well, hopefully that happens soon, the live interaction. What's the next step? Is there another song coming out? Is are you going to bring in other hip hop artists as well? Is it just a still cold thing? Or, um, and Rachel, are you are you pulling in other um, organizations as well, or what? As far as I know, there's no plan to do more organizations at the moment. Um, I'm sure you can imagine our our staff has gotten pretty decimated, right, with the current environment. So I think a lot of the things that that had been planned have been paused. You know, my my wish is that if we can do more of this kind of thing, this virtual stuff, like I just, I know it's a burden on on people's time to like do it, but it's so, I think it's worth it. So that that's my dearest wish that we can do more with, specifically with these guys. Like, I think that there's no reason in, mm-hmm. in stopping yeah. now. I think that there's there's also there's definitely a desire to do more. We don't have anything lined up ready to to go or to to share or promote or anything like that. But the conversation is is there to to have in terms of um, how do we continue to continue this momentum as we you know go into the new year, um, see what the, the the landscape is with COVID and, and how that's going to impact the entertainment world um, and, and perform live performance space and, and so forth. But very much, I think that the, the BSO and as well as the Go, we're, we're both interested in in exploring the, the conversation and continuing um, this momentum for sure. Well, I think you should you should now reverse it, Rachel. You need to come up with a classical piece, <laughs> Go and and Tim and the, and that they need to throw some rhymes at it and make this piece that was written for some sort of social reason or you know, political, re- whatever it was, um, and, and pull them together and so people can get a new piece of classical music that they maybe didn't realize the story was, and we can put words to it. I love it, Chuck. I want the, uh, I want royalties for that. Like, <laughs> raise up the proletariat, right? <laughs> right. If I don't use the word proletariat at least once a day, then it's a broad day. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, you know, thank you for both for doing this. I really appreciate it, and I know it was it was kind of last minute, but I wanted to um, to talk to talk to somebody about this before uh, before the holidays. I again appreciate your time, and yes. I wish you both a very um, happy Turkey Day. You too. Yeah, and stay and stay healthy. Yes, yes. Thanks, Chuck, and good All to right. see you, Rachel. Yeah, you too, Tim. We would like to thank Rachel and Tim for talking to us. And we'd also like to thank Matthew Erickson at the BSO for helping set up the conversation. In addition, we'd like to thank the members of the BSO and Still Gold for all their musical hard work. For more information on the project, go to stillgold.bso.org. That's stlgld.bso.org. To learn more about Still Gold, go to stillgold.com, stlgld.com. Tim also has another project among his many called Hip Story that you can learn about at hipstory.org. Org. And a simple Google of Rachel Childers will bring you more information on her great work at the BSO and the New England Conservatory. And of course, you can learn all about the Boston Symphony Orchestra at BSO.org. 
Go to AboveTheBasement.com where you can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, thank you for listening. Tell your friends, wear a mask for God's sakes. And remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique.